people are going to be looking at that payment resumption and, and saying, like, how am I going to make that work and have to be very diligent about it. There's less of that cash flow available. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 201st episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Bobby Matson to the show. Bobby is the CEO and founder of Pay It Off, a venture-backed team automating every aspect of student loan repayment for financial brands, fintechs, and workplace providers. You see, Bobby built the Pay It Off algorithm originally to avoid paying $78,743 in personal student debt, and he's now expanded access to allow borrowers to harness the power of the platform through financial brands, through fintech, and through workplace partnerships to save an average of over $60,000 throughout the life of a student loan. You know, this is something that I sure wish that I had back in the day, which is why I'm glad to chat with you, Bobby. Welcome to the show. It is so good to share time with you today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Before we talk student loans and the challenges and the problems and the anxiety that it all creates for so many of us, you've been there. I've been there. I know so many of our dear listeners have been there as well. Let's start off on a positive note. What's good for you right now, personally, professionally? It's your pick to get started. Yeah, I think it's just an exciting time in student loan land. Um, There's a lot of different changes happening, potential cancellations being announced, lots of different, um, you know, forgiveness program opportunities for borrowers. So what we're really excited about is just the opportunity for impact in this space and our unique positioning to help uh, financial apps get there and, and, and capitalize on that reach. Yeah, you know, I think back when when I was a student and I was coming out of college and I I had that anxiety, I had that stress of, of student loans. And I want to get your take on this. What's the number one obstacle facing student loan borrowers today? Because it's a big problem. In fact, it's a it's a one point eight trillion dollar problem confronting so many people. It's a great question. I mean, the number one problem facing borrowers is clarity. Mm. So it's clarity and what's my payment going to be? Who's my servicer? Should I refi? What opportunities are available to me in federal programs? Um, You know, six or seven years ago when my wife and I had six-figure student loans, you know, keeping us from starting a family, I was used to answering those types of hard questions in my career. I worked on engineering uh, gigs at Groupon, Stitch Fix, Fandango, and Prosper, and I was, you know, dealing with millions of users and scaling infrastructure to them and answering the tough questions that they needed answered quickly. Yeah. And, you know, software tends to be good at that. And that's when I noticed that, you know, it's so easy to buy insurance on Lemonade, but so hard to figure out your student loans. I got frustrated and built an engine for us that codified a lot of the regs, you know, stayed up nights doing that. 
uh, and moonlighting it until we figured out how to get how to get clarity. Uh, you know how to basically understand our student loan situation and best act, how to best act on it, and that led to friends and friends of friends adapting that same clarity, wanting to run their numbers, and you know me committing to a full time you know quit my job and go full time into that problem space because I just understood the anxiety. It's a very emotional debt, so with all the uncertainty involved with this type of debt which is, you know, used, can be very commonly in the six figures. Yes. Very hard. To, if you don't have clarity, it's very hard to take on a mortgage or, you know, take on another loan or even open a credit card, start a family. Even a lot of your life goals are impacted by this debt. It really is. And, you know, I think that idea, that one word right there, clarity, what is the antithesis of that? It is confusion. It is complexity. And that complexity then leads to what? That leads to conflict. That conflict, you know, repeated, you know, in a, in a time and time again manner. Well, then it's just a constant state of, of just chaos. And I've been there, you know, my wife and I, we were six figures, pretty much half a million, you know, if you're just going to throw the number out on the table. And that's after we started a family. So I, I know what it feels like to, to, you know, be in that, that sea of chaos, almost drowning in debt. And, and, and if someone would just provide some guidance, point us in the right direction, I think we would all feel much more confident um, in, in taking care of this. And, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into your background because you and your wife, you paid off a significant chunk of change. You stayed up late night codifying this, building the methodology, friends of friends, network effect. What were you hearing from others, not just your own experience, but the experience of others, uh, of gaining that clarity, building that level of confidence, and ultimately you know, moving down a new path with courage? Yeah, a lot of what we would hear and sort of the early feedback was, um, wow, I didn't realize that I had that opportunity or sort of like this. Wow, that actually kind of changes the way I think about this. I, I thought I was like in a hole, but I actually am not. And you'll you'll hear that a lot from, you know, doctors in a residency, right? You have six figure student loans, you know, like you mentioned, the half million cases where you're making 50K a year in a residency, you have to opt for a federal program. And if you don't know about it or you suddenly refi, you're in a really tough situation. So all sorts of people, or if you're somebody who only has 50K in loans, but you're making sort of minimum wage and you, it's the same problem for you. You know, mm -hmm. you need to leverage federal programs. And so access to that type of uh, information that's contextual and based on your situation ends up being a very powerful motivator. And so that's what we kept hearing. Wow, this leads to action if you do it in a few clicks. You know, I, and I think that was that was the insight that drove the business use case in the early days. I think it's the contextuality of providing guidance around someone's unique situation that I am right. encouraged and excited about because this gets into something that I teach, help first, sell second. And if we can mm -hmm. provide that guidance, you know, I, I want to dive deeper into this because as I mentioned before, the antithesis of clarity is confusion. It is complexity. And there are a lot of different moving pieces in the student loan industry. Let's break down some of that complexity for the dear listener so that we can start journeying towards simplicity together. What, where, where is the complexity here? Because it is a big industry. 
Yeah, I mean, the most of student loans are federal. So the complexity is largely around federal programs. There's hundreds of loan assistance programs. There's over a dozen repayment options a borrower can opt into. And the default plan you're shown is the highest monthly payment plan. It's the standard tenure when you graduate. Mm-hmm. So I remember that complexity when I first graduated Michigan. And I was, you know, couldn't, I was starting my first business at that time. My income's basically zero. Yep. And I get this email and I'm sure you've gotten the email and you're like, you know, wow, that's a huge payment. You know, and I call my servicer and they say, you know, you can pause your payments. I say, that sounds great. Super cool. Um, but they didn't really have any sort of mechanical way to get me into a program like an income driven plan or something that was uh, a little better for me. I ended up in forbearance. So it was an expensive phone call. I did the math later. It was roughly 20 K that I could have saved by entering an income driven plan at that moment. And that's, there's a lot of factors leading to that complexity. Now servicers typically, um, you know, get a lot of the brunt here, in right. this, uh, but the system itself is the complex part. It's all of the various regulatory uh, nuances that servicers have have a lot of difficulty in their original contracts with Ed where, you know, they there wasn't a lot of factoring in these unknowns. Yes. And that, that it's very difficult to provide guidance for a servicer who maybe doesn't know about your loans at Nelnet. They just know about the loans at Mohila. So they can't actually give you full guidance. So I think the position servicers as you know have been in is they've been painted very much as a villain when really they've been, you know, trying the obviously there are edge cases and lawsuits and evidence of other things but in the in general in that industry we actually find that they've typically wanted what's best for the borrowers they've just been really hamstrung by the regulatory nuances so um you know one of the things we've noticed is just the system is really the issue the complexity of the system is what's driving the confusion yes. and it's what drove it for us and it's what drives it for many borrowers is the hard the hard questions not oh you should oh go refi and like read about it and build a bunch of spreadsheets tailored to you and maybe, you'll, you know, you can, maybe you'll get the right answer and do it over months of period of time. And then you have to check again next year. And it's like, no one has time for that. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's impossible. This is where I start tying financial services into healthcare because you can go out and you can Google symptoms and self-diagnose, but that almost, you're not a physician. You don't have the, once again, the contextuality into what's what's going on behind the scenes here. And, you know, I, I greatly appreciate the positioning uh, on the homepage of, of the Pay It Off's website because in big, bold letters, it reads, give your customers the, the student debt guidance they need. And in banking on digital growth, I wrote and, and, and shared what I call the story selling methodology where a financial brand or a fintech takes on the role of the helpful and empathetic guide in the stories that they tell, stories they tell internally, stories they tell externally through their positioning. And and thinking about the complexity of the student loan industry and and, and now with student loan payments resuming in, in May of 2022, what is Pay It Off doing to help guide people beyond that complexity by providing a sense of clarity? Yeah. So uh, our position is mainly around, you know, our position in the market is automating every aspect of debt management for financial apps. So we, we are a B2B business. We're more similar to a plaid than anything else where you plug us in, we'll allow a borrower to link their loans. But what's key is that not only do we do that and we provide much better fidelity data than any other provider out there, but we will, 
automate the guidance part. So there's a lot more than refi or prepayment for student loans. There's all the things I mentioned that you need to automate, like the federal programs that half of borrowers benefit from. So you can't ignore those. And a lot of companies that we interact with ha have a fiduciary duty to show those options before off offering a refi. Otherwise, you're, you may be hurting the borrower. In many cases, you are because you're you lose those benefits when you refi. So we have that holistic picture for the borrower. Um, we're introducing all sorts of other debts on top of that to look at a holistic, even more holistic picture. And then we automate the actions. So performing the refi, enrolling in the federal program, all of the actions based on the guidance are also something we can either, our, our partners leverage in a pre-built UI in their brand or through our API or a mix of the two. We're sort of like Legos, you could build your own kit or you can build get the Star Wars Lego kit and have it all pre-built. So that's kind of the way we interact with financial applications. I, I really like that analogy of Legos because it, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, this is the whole, you know, banking as a service, open banking model that is just, it's growing louder and louder and louder um, and, and such a tremendous amount of opportunity. Let's dive deeper into the opportunity for maybe financial brands or even for fintech to empower student loan borrowers to overcome their overwhelming loan situations. What, what might be one or two opportunities that you see from the work that you've been doing that they could either, uh, I call it the three three C's, they could create something new, they, they could uh, capture some opportunity that is there, but they're not fully realizing, or they could uh, collaborate and, 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 and really tie something together through partnership. Where, where's the opportunity? Yeah, a lot of the opportunity is, we see a variety of use cases, but the biggest opportunities we see are in the workplace and in any direct-to-consumer financial services um, uh, app. So, you know, right now we're automating guidance where borrowers are saving 240 a month on average. So that's 240 a month that is life-changing. Yes. Right? And it's also freed up cash flow. And we're able, because we're Legos, we can help uh, any of our financial partners navigate a value creation event that betters the borrower's financial outcome alongside the 240 a month, whether it's saving for, uh, you know, a particular goal they have or 529 or you're directing the funds in a place that has economic impact for the yep. org, but also a huge financial impact for the, the borrower. So we do see a lot of those types of um, use cases. We see a lot of use cases for recent grads. So setting what we just talked about when you recently graduate, um, you know, and this is more in the capture category where you have a borrower that you want to, say, pay through the checking account that you offer when they graduate. You don't want to lose them when they leave campus. Um, we'll help them set up their payment and then they are able to enroll in it by setting up auto pay and they're paying their loans through the servicer. So that works a lot for folks that are focused on centrality. Um, but workplace is huge. I mean, the reality is, you have tax be tax free benefits in student loan land now. I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, a la large portion of student loan contributions from employers that are tax deductible, um, up to 5250 a year. And so that's something that's a huge tailwind in that industry and employers are getting much more active. So we see workplace and the direct to consumer opportunities as really big, important use cases in student loans. Um, but there's a lot more even, even beyond that, that that folks use Leverage Our Tech for. Digital growth is a journey from good to great. But sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. 
The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. Uh, I'm curious what roadblocks might stand in the way. And we're going to come back to the workplace because I, you know, as you're talking Mm -hmm. through this, I'm seeing opportunity being created in real time, particularly for community financial brands. And I want to, I want to table that. We'll come back to that. What are the Mm -hmm. roadblocks that could prevent uh, a a bank, a credit union, a fintech from capturing some of the opportunities that you're talking here? What stands in their way? What could hold them back? They probably need to be aware of that could trip them up as as they move forward to try to ease some of this financial stress around student loans. Yeah, I think the, well, before we were around, it was really on the regulatory uncertainty. So You know, now when you don't know when payments are going to resume, it's hard to time a marketing message, for instance. So that's the main challenge we see. Um, We know that when payments resume, it's a once in a lifetime financial services event, right? You have only 10% of payments flowing right now. So it's 10x the volume and everyone asking, what do I do about my student loans? So timing that is a typical challenge. But at the same time, it's still an opportunity to get engaged now so that you're ready for that event. It's going to happen. So I think there's a, a little bit of that that we see. And that the regulatory uh, environment is at at this point, in this moment, in this month, probably the most complex it's been. So thankfully, there are, there are companies like us out there that can guide through. Uh, actually, going into this, we started as pure technology provider, and we find ourselves offering lots of regulatory guidance. Um, one of our advisors is the head of the Student Loan Servicing Alliance, Scott Buchanan, who's, um, you know, they're the liaison between Ed and the, the servicing community and student loans. So we're often able to at least uh, make sure our system is very much in tune with what's happening in the servicing environment in a way that other providers can't. And we're, we know about changes well ahead of them happening um, and so that our system is able to at least give uh, the, you know, the, the clarity and, not, and, be, and adapt to the environment that's changing yeah. very often. Yeah, so I think that's a big, big part of the value add. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a proactive measure. I see there's a lot of, you know, you, you, you either react to something or you respond. And when you respond, you're getting ahead of the situation as much as possible. I want to come back to this idea of of the workplace, because if you're a bank, if you're a credit union, particularly at a, com- a community level, you probably have some type of a commercial business there. And uh I could almost see you're, you're servicing both sides of that commercial relationship now. And and what I mean by that is those commercial accounts, particularly SMBs, have employees. So how many of those employees have student loans? And so not only are you helping the business grow on the commercial or the SMB front, you're now helping the students or the employees who are student who have student loans at those businesses, you know, elevate their lives. And there was a study that was done by the Federal Reserve that found employee financial stress costs employers an average of $5,000 per employee per year in lost productivity. Now consider this, an organization with 100 people, let's say 20 of them have student loans, well, that's a $100,000 a year issue right there. And so uh, where, like your B2B, I almost kind of see this now being a B2B2C play for those financial brands, community banks, credit unions, 
um, commercial banks, you know, working with the commercial side, SMB side, but then also providing a solution to consumer, maybe in a not so clear manner as what we've had before. What's your take on this here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge opportunity. I think what you, you just nailed it with the fact that any of these SMBs could be offering benefits. What we're offering, though, in terms of our, our value in the market is that we can work uh, and we commonly will work with, say, a vendor that works with the credit unions, you know, that already that can offer this through that existing vendor. Because we're a technology layer, we're sort of the connective tissue between the, the app and, the, and the, the servicing layer. We're able to um, provide the lowest cost uh, benefit, too. So I think that's also a position that as we see student loan benefits being more like a 401k, becoming a core benefit, that, yes. point, that's, that's, I think, really, that's just going to be an eventuality based on the regulatory uh, changes that have happened in the past year. So, you know, that's something that we're just, you know, very well positioned for right now. And that's just a very common use case for us. Um, we have, we're seeing a, a lot of um, opportunities with vendor consolidation. So you're a 529 provider and you want to bolt on student loan benefits. Um, you know, we can do that in no time. You know, we've done it over and over again. So I think that there's just a, a any sort of vendor who has the opportunity to offer this can. Yeah, I like the I like the benefits perspective. That's a it's a tremendous opportunity for sure. I want to look ahead. I want to look ahead towards the future of student loans. What are you feeling most hopeful and excited about for the industry at large? Well, I'm definitely excited about the resumption because it's just like you know it's such a massive event. Yes. Um, a lot of the things I've talked about, the tax deductible stats, massive. I mean, there's, it's been eight years in the making and lots of players involved in making that happen. Um, so, and I, I think we're just seeing visibility with student loans that we've never seen before. I remember pre-pandemic, you know, us talking about federal programs and that being like, I, I thought there was only refi. And now when we have conversations, federal programs are the number one thing. And they're, they're one of the most important things right now, given economic instability. So, you know, obviously we have lots of uncertainty economically and people are going to be looking at their wallets. Inflation's very, very in front, very much in front Absolutely. of us. Absolutely. Uh, we have a war. We have all these other things going on. Um, people are going to be looking at that payment resumption and, and saying, like, how am I going to make that work? And yes. have to be very diligent about it. There's less of that cash flow available. So I think that that makes services focused on that type of guidance, particularly important. And for any financial app, whether you're a consumer bank in the top 10 or you're a fintech who's trying to get your 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 idea off the ground, like these are incredible opportunities in this space. Very much so. And, and it really is, plays nice into the financial well-being aspect of it because go back to those numbers what was it saving uh, an average of $240 a month more or less or yep. or you reframe that through the lens of behavioral economics and say we're going to help you stop losing $240 a month because people are more likely to it's loss aversion theory people are more likely to take action to avoid a loss than they are to achieve a gain and then you take that 240 and then you flip it around and then you put that into some type of deposit investment account and and then now it's almost like you're, you're, you're looking at this from a two-pronged approach. I want to get real practical as we wrap up here, Bobby. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been a great conversation. All, 
all future growth, all transformative future growth begins with a very small and a simple step forward. What is what is one small recommendation that you would make for the dear listener from a bank, a credit union, a fintech to, to, to continue to either continue or really maybe even begin, I think for a lot probably to begin, uh, guiding people beyond the stress of student loans? What's one small thing that they can commit to do next? I would say the, the, the small step that we see starts many of the journeys for folks that work with us or are planning to work with us. It's survey your customers, survey what they want. Yes. Get the insight you need to make the right decision. Use data to drive it because a lot of people come to us and say, we ran a survey and, and we thought we were going to work in say auto loan land, but it turns out everybody cares about their student loan payment because they want to know what it will be and they want to lock it in now. And so I would say just listen to what your customers have a way and a mechanism to gather the feedback to make those types of data driven decisions. And then be, be picky with the vendor would be my next suggestion. And I think that on two sides, I think going all in on people, asking first, listening second, and then third, learning through observation, because not everyone always tells you what they're really thinking or what they're really feeling. It's their, it's their actions that speak louder than words. And then number two, on vendor selection, I'm really making a lot of, of recommendations to align around organizations that are purpose driven. You share a similar perspective of why you do what you do. And I think it's that alignment around purpose that creates an exponential growth path going forward. Bobby, this has been a great conversation. What is the best way for someone to connect with you to continue the conversation that we've started here today? Yeah, best way is just reach out on Twitter or email. So I'm Bobby at payitoff.io. I mean, just Bo Matson on Twitter. That's the quickest way. But yeah, or check out our site, you know, reach out to our team, um, you know, and, and we can have a conversation about the opportunities and use cases that can help uh, drive new business. Connect with Bobby, learn from Bobby, grow with Bobby. Bobby, thanks again for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thank you, James. Appreciate it. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.